when you go to an interview, they ask you all sorts of questions. One of the questions that they may ask you is, what do you bring to the table? I know I've been asked that, especially if you're applied to a job where 65 people have the same type of experience. What do you bring to the table? If you're dating, looking for a spouse, the question might be, hey, what do you have to offer? What's your credit score? <laughs> do you have a good family? Do you have any college degrees? Do you have any genetic health issues? True story. These are questions that people ask all the time. Today I've titled the message to God, what is God's? See, a few years back, I had a really good friend of mine, and I said, you know what, I'd like to spend some time with him. So I called him up, and I said, hey, so-and-so, um, we're going to be cooking some dinner, and I want you to come over. And this is what he said, what should I bring? I said, no, 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 you don't understand. Bring yourself and an empty stomach. So a few hours later, he shows up with a beautiful bottle of wine. We had this wonderful dinner, and, and during that time, we gathered together, had an excellent conversation. We even made a YouTube video together. We had so much fun. When it comes to stewardship, the Lord is asking a question of you. What shall we bring? What shall we bring to the altar? What shall we bring to the church? What shall we bring to his presence, to God? What is God's? What shall we bring? See, when it comes to stewardship, we always have to ask that question. What shall we bring? What shall we bring? We just heard from the passage that was read, and, um, and I'm going to read it again. You know, one of the things that I'm learning in seminary is to reread the passages 1,500 times, and every single time that you read it, a new thing pops up, a new thing you start to learn, a new thing you start to see. The Word of God says in Mark chapter 12, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money in the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all give out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. First thing I want to focus is on Jesus sits. See, Jesus had been in the temple. 
in the temple courts. He had been talking to a whole bunch of people. People were asking him questions. He was teaching and he was preaching. The Pharisees were asking him questions. The Sadducees were asking him questions. The Herodians were asking him questions. The experts in the law were asking him questions. The scribes were asking him questions. He was hanging out in the temple. So after a while, he decides to go sit. Now, there's three reasons. I could think of three reasons why you might want to sit. Number one, you're tired. Okay, let me go sit. Number two, maybe you have a physical ailment and you have to sit. And number three is you want to enjoy something. You want to contemplate something. You want to observe. See, the other day, my two oldest girls play soccer, and I like to think of them as soccer stars. Amen? Hey, God builds champions. But I noticed something in the crowd. I, I noticed that everybody took their chairs, and they sat in their chairs, and, and I was the only one standing up. And I'm like, okay, all right. So I saw it one time, two times, three times, and I, I told my wife, hmm, maybe I should bring a chair. Maybe I should went in Rome, bring a chair. So guess what I did last weekend? My dad was visiting. I said, Dad, let's go watch a game. And I brought my nice little beach chair and went in Rome. You know why I stand up? Because I take video. I am that guy. I'm like, and then we review the video of the game with my six and four-year-old. So I decided, I took my chair, and I sat, my dad was here, we were watching the game, and for the first time, I was like, wow, this is different, I'm more relaxed, I'm observing different things, a different perspective from here than standing up. Yes, I still took video, and I was watching, 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 contemplating, observing. So the Bible says that Jesus sat down across from the treasury. He decided to take a moment and observe what was happening. What is happening in the temple? What is happening when people bring in and bring their, their offerings? But there's something very interesting going on right now that you may or may not know. Where is Jesus right now? He is sitting down. You say, what, Pastor Enrique? Well, Colossians chapter 3 and many other verses say this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So in that moment in the temple, Jesus was sitting across watching, observing people. In this moment, in 2023, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, watching, observing his people. What are they doing when they come to the church? What are they doing when they come into my presence? What are they bringing? So the question that is posed today is, what shall we bring? What shall we bring? I have a challenge for you right off the bat, and I did this. Think of the most favorite place where you like to sit, not here, in your home or wherever you live. 
sit for a moment in solitude, not with your dog, not with your cat, with your ferret or whatever it is, by yourself. No music, no Bible, nothing. And think, observe, and look at all the things that surround you. What has God given you? What has he given you? I want you to do that today. I did it. I did it this week. I do it once so often. So that you may sit and observe and contemplate the blessings that you have received. The blessings that you have. I'm not saying not what you don't have. Not what the name, what you have at this moment, at this time. It may not be much. It may be a lot. I don't know. Sit down and observe and contemplate. Take a moment to do that. No, it's been said that the things that you take for granted, someone else is praying for. You ever heard that? Absolutely. Let me give you an example. I had another friend, and a friend was, a, it's a good friend of mine, said to me, oh, Pastor Enrique, I've been praying for a car. He used the public transportation, nothing wrong with that. He used the public transportation for many years, but could not afford a car. Been praying for a car, been praying for a car, praying for a car. One day, 9 p.m., I get a phone call. Hey, can I stop by? Yeah, why not? It's late already. Come on by. Half hour later, showed up at my house. Ding dong. I opened the door. There's my friend with three other friends. It's nice when they invite other people, right? Hey, I wanted to show you my new car. Wow, that's really nice. I love it. After 10 minutes, you know what he said to me? I wish I had a newer car. <laughs> the guy that had been praying for years for a car, God gives him a car. That is one of the first things that he said. To God, what is God's? What shall we bring? That is what God is asking you today. What shall we bring? So Jesus was sitting, but where was he sitting? You see, we're talking about him being in the temple, but he was in a specific part of the temple. He was in a, in a place called the Court of Women. It's where there was a treasury, and men and women could be there, but specifically women could come, and they could go and place their offerings there. In the very specific place, this place had 13 horn-shaped receptacles, which collected free will offerings. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with free will offerings, but as I was looking into this, uh, it took me to a specific passage here, Deuteronomy chapter 16. So if you look that with me, uh, for those of you who don't know, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 16 is right after Deuteronomy chapter 15. Word of God says this in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. Then celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. You, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites in your towns, and the foreigners, the fatherless, and the what? Widows. 
living among you. Jesus is sitting in that chair and he's watching and he was observing in that temple court. He was watching what was happening. The word of God says in verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite. He wanted a specific place that he was going to be noticing what was happening. Say, sometimes people say, oh, God doesn't care how much you give. He does. Where the offerings were put in, watch the crowd. Now, do you guys like watching stuff? I just, I just flew with the team to Tennessee and Pastor Cal. I love airports, everything about it. If, if you don't, you can disagree with me afterward the sermon. I love watching people, behavior, what they're doing. Some people are happy. Some people are sad because they're going to funerals. Some people are hungry. Some people are complaining. Some people are not. Some people are making friends. All sorts of people. Some people are reading. Some people are listening to podcasts. Some people are taking pictures of planes. Jesus was watching, watching, observing, looking at things. And he watched a crowd. Now, a crowd is not one and two or three. It's a lot of people. Have you been in a crowd? Have you been to, to Gillette Stadium and after you're leaving? That's a crowd. That's a lot of people, right? That's a crowd. Their money in the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Watch this. I was like, hmm. Many rich people threw in large amounts. And I looked, I went back and looked into the Greek, into that word. And I wanted to see... Because it says down they were pl- uh, that where they put they were putting their money. That word putting, throwing. I went and the word is this, balo, which means to throw. Huh. So I grabbed some of my coins. And that connotation here is this. When there's a fish net, a cast net. A net with weights. You grab it and you throw it. That's the connotation there. Now, me being me, I went to YouTube, one of my favorite websites. YouTube is a video website where you can find everything. And I watched about 10 videos of that. And this is what they did. This is what these people were doing. Jesus is watching that. Now, there's an issue with that. Because what they were doing is they wanted all these coins to make a noise. Because they wanted people to know, oh, this is how much I'm giving. But also, they came with an attitude of just dropping it like us. Like, oh, okay, I did it. Okay, what else now? Where do I have to go? What do I have to do? Jesus starts seeing that there's these people that are doing this in this moment. And he starts comparing the two. I call it the givers. The first is many rich. Many rich people doing it. Doing it. He's watching this. He's watching this. You're with me? He's watching this, doing this. But the same thing that he noticed is there were large amounts that they were throwing in. Now, I don't know what a large amount to you is, but to our family, we know what a large amount is. 
We're throwing large amounts, and Jesus is observing. He's sitting down. He's taking his time. He's taking mental notes. He's watching this. You see, we live in a world where the shiny things excite us. Let me give you examples. Hey, did I tell you about my uncle who owns eight apartments? Hey, my cousin went to Mykonos for two months on her honeymoon. Hey, my bestie got promoted, and wow, you should see how much she makes now. Mm-mm-mm. You should see my uncle's 10,000 square foot lake house. Now that's a house. See, all these shiny things captivate us, and that's what these people were doing. And, and, they, and people were amazed by that. Wow, how much? Did you see how much? They, wow, that's a lot of money. Wow. But it was not the rich who caught Jesus' attention. It was not about that. There was something different about this other giver that had come in that day to place her offering in the offering place. Who was she? The Bible says very simply, it was three things. She was a poor person, meaning that she didn't have much. Socioeconomically, she was in the bottom. Not a lot of income, not a lot of money. The Bible also says that she was a widow. At some point, there was dun, 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 and she married the love of her life. She had a wonderful life, and he died. She's poor, she's a widow, and the Bible says she was a woman. Treated differently in that culture. So there's two types of givers, and yes, Jesus starts comparing them. There's this type of givers, the rich and wealthy, there's this poor widow woman who comes. Verse 42 says, but a poor poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, Do not pay attention to that. That's just what it was made of. Worth only a few cents. Okay? If you insist, it's called a lepto. Greek connotation for that. Because it was two, it was a lepta. Okay? That was enough to buy a handful of flour. Or a very small meal. That was all that this poor widow had left. All. That was all that she had. See, the Bible teaches that the first shall be last. In this story, she's the last one that Jesus mentions. The first one that Jesus mentions is the rich people. The Bible says that the last shall be first. What shall we bring, church? God is speaking to you. What shall we bring when it comes to stewardship? You say, yeah, I I, I have a stewardship of my time and and myself and my spiritual life. Yeah, but what about other things? What shall we bring? And Jesus is sitting there observing. He's sitting right in heaven observing. Have you paid attention to what shall you bring? See, what impresses us is not what impresses God. What impresses God is is what should be impressing us. Amen? I don't think you heard me. What impresses us does not impress God. 
But what impresses God is what should be impressing us. What shall we bring, church? What shall we bring? There was a teachable moment there. You know why? Because verse 43 says, calling his disciples. Now, there's two versions that I was working in my head. It's like, disciples, come forth. I will teach you what I want to teach you from what I've... Or my version, which is... John, come on. Peter, get over here. I want to teach you something. Listen, I was sitting here, and it was a teachable moment. God is teaching us every single time and every single moment things that we need to apply in our lives, including stewardship. See, the disciples were not close to him. He had to call them because they were somewhere else over there. Where are you today? Are you close to him? Are you close watching him? His desires, the things that he wants of us? Yes, I'm talking about that. Money. He calls them over and there's a, uh, there's a moment there where he teaches them this specific thing. He calls his disciples to him. Today he's calling us to him. Hey, you, you paid attention to me in this. You paid attention to me in this. You're following me in this, but you're neglected this other part. If what I'm saying is bothering you, this message is for you. Jesus calls him over. He wanted to teach his disciples stewardship principles at that moment. He's not always teaching, oh, the kingdom of heaven. Yes, he taught that, but he was teaching them other things as well. He wanted them to know, and he wants us to know, what is important to him. He was comparing the rich wealthy and the poor widow. I did something different today. I had to ask permission from my daughters. I want to show you real quick something that I do when I do my teachable moments with my kids. For those of you who don't know, I have three girls, six, four, and two. And there are times, many times, where I have teachable moments with them. One of the teachable moments I have with them is they have piggy banks like many kids have. I don't assume all kids have because I've met many poor kids that don't have. But we're blessed. Our kids do have some. They all receive one in their favorite color. And no, don't come at me and say, why does your little one have a little one? It's not about that. I teach them three things. When they receive money from birthdays, they work for me, I have a small business, I pay them. Their grandparents give them money, or they find money in the playground or somewhere, they put it there. These are the three things I teach them. Number one, I teach them, first thing before anything, you give to God. Teachable moment. 
before anything you give to God. And this is the percentage. If you want to give more, even better. Okay. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided where? In your heart to give. Not reluctantly. Or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful, happy face giver. I teach him to give to God. Okay? Second thing I teach him is to give to your parents. Papi y mami. Another portion goes to papi y mami. If you were here last week, you heard my father preach. In that sermon, he talks, talks about a gift I gave him. If you, haven't, if, if you weren't here, you can go and watch it. You'll see what that was. Word of God says that we are to honor our parents. The Apostle Paul reminded us of that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. Honor your father and your mother. Yeah, honoring is pleasing them, obeying them, respecting them, but it's also providing for them when they have need. Blessing them when you have need. I teach my kids that. Teachable moment. Jesus was teaching his disciples at that moment. Stewardship, financial stewardship. The third thing I teach them is give to the poor. Another percentage. Give to the poor. We've all been blessed differently. We just went to Honduras and they were able to practice that. Not that they're the only country that has poor people. Every country has poor people. But they were able to practice that. Those three principles I teach. Give to the poor. First John 3, 17, 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees... What is Jesus doing? Watching, seeing, observing. A brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them... How can the love of God in that person, dear children, let us know, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth? Jesus took a moment for a teachable, mo- for a teachable time with them. He's taking a moment here to work on your heart, work on your heart, work on your finances, work on your mentality when it comes to money. The most misquoted verse in the Bible is money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money the root of all evil. But this is what he wanted to teach us. Teach them and teach us today. Complete surrender. Surrender of your spiritual life. Surrender of everything that you have including your bank accounts. Whether you have something, whether you're overdrafted, whether you have surplus, including your finances. See, this woman, she gave it all. She gave it everything. Sacrifice requires us trusting God with an open heart and saying, Thank you, Lord. I'm going to sit down in my house and look at all the things that I have. Wow, this is pretty cool. Wow, this is pretty cool. Wow, thank you, Lord. This is all amazing things that you have given me. What shall you bring? Financial giving is a part of worship. Amen? There's six amens. Financial giving is a part of worship. When we start to understand that, we'll start to understand who God is in our lives and what He has provided for us. She she gave out of her need, not of her leftovers, She 
did not say where the, the rich people were like, okay, well, this is my bonus. I'm going to throw in my bonus. This is my leftovers. She gave everything that she had. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, the rich gave a lot. Oh, yeah, Jesus said that. But the widow gave more than all of them put together because she gave everything. See, when I look at my bank account, I look and see my checking account. I say, oh, Enrique, Virginia. See God's name in there. He's given the funds for me to administrate. Administrate. Trust me, when I have these conversations with my girls, it's not easy. Even though they're young. Oh, but my grandpa gave me that. Why should I give it? Well, God gave grandpa some so that he could give you some. Well, you think I just sit down there and they're like, okay, baby. No. <laughs> but I left the room and I said, you decide when I come back. Well, I came back. And they each had given their portions to the Lord. God is saying, what is your portion to the Lord? Is it everything? Or is it like, ah, I'll keep this, God. You can keep the leftovers. What is it? What shall you bring? Very simple. Your financial generosity. Your financial generosity. Bring yourself. Bring your worship. Bring your money. Bring it all. Just like the poor widow, she was financially poor, but she was spiritually wealthy. When I asked my wife to come here with me, she said, no, come. just bring your wallet for me, please. Please stand up. Take your wallets out. If you don't use a wallet, take your purse out. If you don't use a purse or a wallet, take your phone out. Don't log into your account. Touch your, your bank account. We're going to dedicate our finances to the Lord. What shall we bring? Our finances. And I call on my wife. She didn't know I was going to do this. But I'll call her up here. Because our finances are one. Our finances should be one. Amen? Lord, we thank you for what you've given us. For the many blessings and innumerable gifts you give us every day. What shall we bring? Everything. Lord, today we put our finances in your name. Whether it be a checking account, a savings account, a 401k account, a social security account, a pension account, a brokerage account, a bonus, whatever it is, Lord. It's yours, yours only. And I'm just here to administrate it. What shall we bring? Worship to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to close our service by singing I Surrender All is number 579 in the hymnal and also on the screens.